Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned for us this very, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who's given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wonderful. I will give it up for our curate, Pete Norris, who's going to come and share with us. Woo! Quite right. He's my favorite curate. Take it away, Pete. Thanks, mate. Oh, what an intro. He's always very good with his intros, isn't he? Um, good morning, everyone. Um, when was the last time uh, you bought something that uh, completely didn't match your expectations? So you thought it was going to be one thing, you thought it was going to be great, and then it turned out to be a bit of a letdown. I feel like this is a story of my life. Everything I seem to think, oh, that will oh, that'll be the best camera. That, you know, just never quite, um, never quite hits the mark. But um, when I was young and cool, um, notice the little gap there, uh, I used to be really into the Superdry brand. Uh, now, this the Superdry brand was 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 big in the kind of late noughties, and they were very well known for a signature style of coat, which um, I, I'm just going to. There's a photo that should come up on the screen behind you of someone modelling it incredibly well. Um, so moody, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I think this is the second preach where I've put a photo of myself, so it won't happen anymore. Um, but uh, but this coat. I mean, can we just agree that perhaps a basic expectation of a coat is that it keeps you dry? Yeah? Yeah? This one did no such thing. It was welcoming in water molecules faster than we welcome people in at the tent. Like, it's just kind of like, come on in, make this guy even wetter than he already was. Um, but uh, it, it, just, it was completely useless, at the slightest sign of any humidity. It looked great, but it was a complete letdown. And I wonder if for some of us, sometimes... Our faith can feel a little bit like that. Maybe when we encounter Jesus for the first time or we have a kind of mountaintop experience with God, maybe at Focus or somewhere else. Or, and it's like for a moment you're seeing the world in color for the first time. Something happens that is wonderful and gives you a new perspective with God. But it doesn't take long for a storm to come along in your life. And suddenly... The God who seems so close and present and tangible a few moments ago suddenly seems a million miles away. I'm telling you this because uh, roughly kind of 18 months ago, uh, our family went through perhaps one of the biggest collection of storms, to use that metaphor, uh, that perhaps we have ever known. Um, we find in our family, and I don't know about you, that we tend to, something tends to go wrong when we take significant spiritual steps. So just before I got ordained in September 2021, loads of things just kicked off and just started to go wrong. And God's presence seemed distant, 
His promises seemed elusive and his purposes for us seemed to have been defeated. And like I say, it wasn't just one storm. It was the perfect storm. I don't know if you saw that film in the early 2000s, um, where lots of things collided, lots of things went wrong. And it's, I don't know if you've ever had a time in life like it, where just everything suddenly seems disorientated. The things that you were sure about suddenly seem less sure. How do you have resilient hope that carries you through those times? How do you hold on to God in the storms? And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And it's going to be a, we're just going to start really by having a bit of a congregational uh, participation this morning. So if someone often, you know, you, you get asked the question, uh, do you want the good news first or the bad news? Um, just as a kind of rough hands up, who tends to say that they would prefer the bad news first before they... Okay, wow. Okay, great. Uh, who likes having the good news first? Great, okay. <laughs> so by and large, we're quite pessimistic as a church. That's great. Great. Okay, good. Well, good, because you can now choose, and I think you have just chosen, which you'd like first. So I'm going to give you the bad news first, okay? Here's the bad news when it comes to storms. You can't avoid storms, but you can choose how to respond to them. So I love how honest the ancient authors of the Bible are about the storms that we go through. Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians and most of the New Testament, is brutally honest about the storms that he's going through in 2 Corinthians. And um, in it, we didn't hear this bit read, but in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.8, he says that it got so bad that it was far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. And a few chapters later, and Fee preached on this um, a few weeks ago, or months ago rather, um, he says in uh, 4, 8 to 9, Paul says, how they were hard pressed on every side, not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is certainly no free pass on pain, and there's no free pass on storms. In fact, I'd probably go further to say that we're probably going to have more of them. We're probably going to have more trouble because of who we follow. Uh, a lady, a theologian called Lucy Pepiat, uh, in her book, Discipleship, uh, writes this. She says, the second, she identifies four different types of battles that we'll all go through in the Christian life. And the second battle that we fight is the, in the experience of hardship and suffering. The spiritual battle of continuing to live a life of unwavering faith and trust in God at these times is immense. We all have to battle to declare God's goodness, to have faith in his unfailing love. That is incredibly hard. And the kind of thing, depending on if you're in a storm, that's the kind of thing that if someone says that to you, you kind of want to punch them. Because um, it's like one of those just, but it's, but it's so true. It's that battle to keep declaring the goodness of God, even when um, we're in the middle of a storm. So just pivoting slightly, for those of you who wanted the good news, uh, we'll, we'll go to that now, that Christian resilient hope transforms our experience of these storms that we have in life. So God, I believe that God is your only hope, your only source of resilient hope. And I think it's the, he's the only place where you will ever find a hope strong enough to carry you through the storms of life. No matter how dark and stormy 
things get, I think there's always hope. And thinking in terms of our culture, uh, we, we kind of have different responses to storms, but a lot of the stories that influence uh, how we think in our culture um, basically have no response to storms. It's just kind of like, well, pain's just there. So uh, the famous atheist Richard Dawkins, who's, who shaped so much of how most of us think in our country, said, uh, he once said, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason to it, nor any justice. It's a kind of proverbial shrug of the shoulders. And that's our society's and our culture's best response to pain. It's just, well, it's just there. Another way of saying that in our culture might be like, c'est la vie. There's another phrase I can think of which ends with something happens, but I'll leave you to uh, fill in the blanks. It's, like I say, a kind of cultural shrug of the shoulders. There are storms and there's nothing you can do about it. But this is a hopeless way of thinking about storms. But our God has a hopeful way of thinking about the storms that we go through. Resilient hope is something that you can taste now, not just something in the future that's also something that can transform our, our experience of, of storms and the things that we go through. Um, some of you may know, certainly the staff team have got to know in the last few months, that I've become quite a big fan of um, one of Paynton's finest fish and chip shops and um, occasionally suggest to the staff team that we should go. Uh, and um, went there this week and uh, never before has this happened, but they, they had a couple of their staff outside handing out free tasters of their chips, uh, to which I was offered one. I said, no, thank you. I'm already convinced and going in. Um, but uh, <laughs> they're trying to give, obviously they're trying to sell you something, but they're trying to give you a taste of something. In the same way that like you watch a, a trailer of a film or something like that, or you, or you get like a free sachet of perfume or cologne on a magazine or something like that. It's giving you a small taste of something. And Resilient hope is something that you can taste now, even though you might not have it in its fullness now. When God heals us, when he heals us physically, emotionally, or mentally, it's not just because he wants to do that. It's because he's giving you a taste of the wholeness that is to come. Or when he gives you a kind of fresh revelation of his beauty, his love for you, that's because one day there will be a time when you know that love completely. He's giving you a taste of what's to come. And in the same way that tasting the chips from this particular fish and chip shop, words will never do it justice. You need to taste it. You need to taste the hope that is available if you're going to survive the storms of life. Next thing I want to put to you is that resilient hope looks at the storms of the present through the lens of the future. In, uh, in the part of the reading that we had in uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 10, this is where Paul begins to underscore the kind of linchpin of our hope. And every now and then, if you read through the New Testament, what you'll notice is that the writers give little kind of tasters of the ultimate hope, the resurrection hope that we have, just every now and then. And this few collection of verses is one of those tasters. 
And Paul uses kind of two different images to unpack what he's getting at. He uses tents and dwellings to talk about our bodies and our future resurrection bodies. And for the moment, we have physical bodies, earthly tents, as it were, which are, which are wasting away. And I don't know about you, I, my knees started clicking every time I walk up the stairs. Like a few years ago, my body is literally starting to groan at me like <laughs> for redemption. Um, but, uh, but also, I don't know if you've um, like got uh, something like Google Photos on your phone. Um, it's, it's lovely, but it's horrific at the same time because you can look back at photos with such quick succession. So it's kind of like a flick book of yourself aging. Um, that we're in no doubt that our bodies are failing us. But our resilient hope is anchored in the fact and the reality that one day each of us We'll have new bodies. God will give us, what Paul says, an eternal house, i.e. a resurrection body. And that resurrection body will not only release you from death, but it will reverse all of its effects. That is the resilient hope we're talking about. That's the ultimate hope. No matter how bad things get, that's what's coming. But our kind of future resurrection isn't just physical. Paul in... uh, verse 2 talks about the heavenly clothing that we long for and that's kind of a bit of language to almost like wikipedia when you use, you know, you fall down the wikipedia hole by clicking hyperlinks and you how did i find myself reading about this when i was first reading about this um but this is like one of those kind of hyperlinks so paul says something similar in colossians at 3 12 to 14 where he writes about taking off the old self and putting on the new self One day, you will be completely renewed just on the outside and the physical, but you will be renewed from the inside. You'll know what it is to be completely whole, completely human. It's not just the physical resurrection. But that is where our resilient hope is grounded. That's the thing that is going to get us through the storms. Now, if you're, and we're going to just pivot slightly again, if you're sat there and you're thinking, Pete, I get it, um, but when I'm in the middle of a storm, thinking about the resurrection, which for some of us, you know, is a little bit further away than others, um, you, you're thinking, oh, this, doesn't, this doesn't bode well. How do, how do I hold on to this in the middle of something that just seems so terrible and disorientating? Um, and I want to say, if that's you thinking that, I totally get it. I really get it that it's hard to hold on to this stuff in the midst of some of the storms that we go through. So I want to put two things to you. If that's you, I want to put two more things to you that will hopefully help you and encourage you. First thing is be honest with God and others, i.e. your church family, your bay group, whoever that might be, about the storms that you're currently in or you're currently going through. The as I mentioned earlier, the ancient authors of the Bible had no problem in telling God exactly how bad things were and what they thought about it. Sometimes I think the Bible's more honest about pain and storms than we are. And I don't know what there is in each of us, but sometimes there's that resistance, isn't there, to being honest with God and other people about what's going on. And I, and I get it, but it's almost like maybe we're ashamed, we're embarrassed of like how... It will be interpreted. Maybe people think, oh, well, that, that happened because you made that choice or that happened. 
like I say, the storms that we were going through uh, 18 months ago-ish, they were they were just so it was just embarrassing actually because I, I just remember thinking like I'm supposed to be a vicar like what, what kind of new vicar gets shipwrecked like this like this early on uh, it's really hard to be honest with people but but the moment you are the moment there's such a release in terms of other people being like oh you've struggled with that me too um I don't know what it is in us though that just doesn't like other people seeing that I remember um when I was younger my um, mum, occasionally I was annoying um, when I was younger, and my mum would, I don't know, be in the middle of being like, I can't believe you just, you know, fully letting letting it all out of me, only for the phone to ring, and then pick up and like, oh, hello, hello, Jenny, oh, yeah, we're all fine, yeah, yeah, great. Um, and just, you're like, how can you go from, like, being so cross with me to a moment, you know, your, your mate rings and suddenly everything's fine. Um, that's a bit trivial, but there's that resistance in each of us, isn't there, to let each other see um, how things are going. But I think if we can't be honest with God and other people, we're never going to emotionally, mentally, spiritually engage with what's going on. And I think we'll be in the storm for much longer. Next thing I want to put to you is letting your faith form you, not your feelings. And this one perhaps can be a little bit more controversial in that I wonder if in our kind of culture, our feelings have become the guardians of truth. If we feel something, it must be true. And we tend to treat our feelings almost as kind of sacred objects. We allow them to shape a lot of our decision making. And but unfortunately, I don't know about you, I've noticed that my feelings are quite unreliable for that because they're not reliable indicators of what's true and what's not. And we can't always trust how we feel to make a judgment about something else. The prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It doesn't mean we ignore our feelings, but it doesn't mean that we let them lead us either. The storms for us 18 months ago made it feel as if God was a million miles away. And if I'm honest, sometimes I believe that he was. I genuinely thought he was. I didn't know where he'd gone, what he was doing. But just because I felt that way doesn't change the reality that he was close by the whole way through. The Psalms describe how God is especially close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. If I had allowed my feelings to form me rather than my faith. Again, I would have been buffeted about in those storms so much more um, than I was. And throughout 2 Corinthians, there's this kind of theme going through 2 Corinthians. But Paul doesn't deny his feelings, but he doesn't let them rule over him either. He always responds to them in some kind of faith. So when he says things like hard-pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, he's not saying that in his own strength. That's the Spirit giving him the strength to say that. Earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.10, he says, On him, Jesus, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. He's clearly not out of the storm. He's writing this letter in the storm. Yet he's saying, God, I will trust you, and I will keep trusting you, even though my experience of you would say otherwise. 
sometimes just managing to stand to your feet and to hold on to resilient hope in the middle of a storm is victory. During these storms for us, I remember going on a family holiday with my parents and I remember sitting up, they'd all gone to bed, but most nights during that family holiday, I would sit up and I would listen to the night prayer on Lectio 365, a little app to help you pray. And there was a piece of scripture in there from Psalm 1828 that they kept repeating, which they just said, my God turns my darkness into light. And most nights I would just sit there and repeat it again and again and again, because that's all I could do at the time was like, I don't know how you're going to transform any of this, but I choose to trust that you will, even if my experience at the moment says that that could be unlikely. Standing your ground and just standing is sometimes what victory looks like. A little bit later in um, chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says that we live by faith. And it really struck me that I wonder if actually sometimes we literally do live by faith. For me, it's sometimes how we stay alive, like we, we hold on to this resilient hope. There's a, um, a song that Lauren Daigle released uh, last year. Um, I don't know if many of you have come across her. She's great, but it's called Thank God I Do. And um, I've been playing it in the office for us a little bit recently. Um, and the chorus goes like this. should come up on the screen behind me. It says, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. I don't know where I'd go if you ever let go. So keep me held in your hands. I don't know where I'd be or where I'd go if it wasn't for the resilient hope that I managed to hold on to in those storms. So what about you? Are you in a storm at the moment? Are you just coming out of a storm? Or are you just about to head into one? Archie Coates last uh, week at Focus said that's basically where we always are. We're always in one of those three places, which is a little bit depressing. But the key thing is that You've got a God who will never let go of you. And there's a hope, a resilient hope that you can hold on to. Amen.